Philippians 4.18. 4, 4, 8. There is, there is 18, but... We won't be looking at verse 18, we'll be looking at verse 8. So, uh, good to see you tonight. I think I'm on now. We have been studying the eight uh, characteristics of a godly mind. Eight characteristics of a godly mind, and uh, these particular traits that we are to have when we are thinking. Uh, what are we to be thinking about? What are the things that we are to be meditating on, concentrating on, considering? Uh, we've seen that we should be thinking on things that are true. God is true. His word is true. Uh, always evaluate truth by God and his word. That's how we evaluate truth. We look at God. We look at his word. Uh, and so that's how you can understand where truth is. Now, of course, not all truth is in the Bible. <laughs> That's a stunned silence, all right? You don't have all the laws of physics in there, okay? All right, so you don't have all the laws of science. You don't have all the laws of gravity, you know. All, all that's not discussed necessarily in the scriptures. Um, so understand the context by what I'm saying when I say that uh, we judge truth by the word of God. The principles of the word that are found in the word about truth. Um, we look at. We saw that we need to think on things that are honest, or uh, as we might be more accustomed to saying it, uh, things that are honorable. Things that are honorable. Um, there's a lot of dishonorable things to be consuming our minds of late. Uh, we also saw that we need to think of things that are just, equitable. Have just thoughts. Be just. Uh, be equitable in our actions and our minds. Don't be prejudiced. Uh, in our hearts and lives. Uh, think on things that are pure. We took a couple of sessions to look at that. Uh, we saw the things that are impure and the things that are pure. And then we saw the last time we met two weeks ago, uh, we saw that we need to look at things that are lovely, or as we uh, understood it, that we need to think on things that promote love and friendship. Things that promote love and friendship. And um, we need to consider those things and have our minds on them. And tonight we're going to be looking at our sixth one, and that is we are going to be seeing that we ought to be thinking on things that are of good report. Good report. The words good report are technically only found like the last word we saw, lovely, only one time in the Word of God. It's the only time you find this word, good report, even though hey, what's interesting that you do find the words good report mentioned about seven other times in the word. It's just not the same Greek word. It's a different word. It is the word being a good witness or somebody that is a, has a good testimony. Has carries the same idea uh, that we'll see here in just a moment. But nonetheless, it is a little bit different of a word, so I don't want you to get confused if you want to go ahead and fact check me in your Strong's Concordance. I don't mind. But the word good report is two words. That's why it's translated as two words. It's really a compound word, but it is, uh, it is one word, but in our English translation they give it to us as two, and that is the word good, and that is the word report. Uh, or uh, if you like the word well, uh, you all are probably familiar with Matthew 25, whenever the uh, Lord, that is small l-o-r-d, uh, says to his faithful servant, what does he tell him? He says, well done, thou good and faithful servant. The word well done is the word good done. Uh, so, but that would be incorrect English, we understand, so we don't say good done, uh, we say well done. Uh, so that's what he means there. Uh, and then 
The other part of it is the word report or fame. Uh, you might even think of it that way. Uh, Jesus is, uh, is spoken of this way in Luke chapter number 4 and 14 where it says, And Jesus returned in the power of the Spirit into Galilee, and there were not a fame of him throughout all the region round about. There was a good report about him. There was a report, uh, a fame uh, that was being sought about him. So you kind of get an idea where Paul's going with this word. Uh, we are to think on things that are well reported of, things that are, bring good fame and good fortune. Literally, it can mean uh, in, in some of the other Greek manuscripts, not, a, not the Bible, but in other places, uh, it is the idea of good omens uh, or good fortune. Uh, things that are commendable, things that are laudable, things that are uh, reputable, things that are auspicious. We ought to be thinking on things like that. Uh, things like that. Uh, for instance, uh, I might say it like this, is that it's not wrong for us to uh, read a, 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 a book on maybe a war hero and gather some kind of courage or gather some kind of uh, notoriety from that book, you know, as long as the rest of it is, is good and is, you know, lines up with the scriptures too. But uh, that's good for us. Or maybe even better yet, uh, maybe a missionary biography, uh, reading something of that nature, or watching a movie that has uh, something that lifts up a hero, um, lifts up somebody that is, that is helping others or, or being a blessing to others. Those are the kinds of things, if you want to think about it, maybe in a, uh, in a worldly mindset. And I say worldly, I mean upon this world, in that kind of mindset. Um, Paul is saying that we should think on things that are of a good report. Uh, if you want to think of it in the opposite, uh, we should not be living in a state of doom and gloom. All right? A uh, state of melancholy, uh, a state of an ominous and uh, unfavorable conditions. We don't want to stay there. Uh, I want to say this too. I don't think that Paul is trying to tell us or is trying to uh, give us uh, some picture here that we're to have some kind of fair weather frame of mind. We're not just to have a fair weather frame of mind. You say, what does that mean? Well, Paul's not trying to get us to pretend that everything is okay. All right? Think on things of a good report. Does not mean that you just all of a sudden forget that anything bad has ever happened. All right? That's not what he's saying. Okay? In fact, if you read Paul's letters, you know that's not what he's saying because uh, he tells us that all that shall live godly in Christ Jesus shall what? Suffer persecution. Uh, he tells us that he tells about his own beatings and his own torments. Uh, so uh, read, the, read the back of the book. Uh, you'll find in the book of Revelation all kinds of things of doom and gloom and sorrow. Read the prophets and the minor prophets and you'll find how Israel uh, forsook their God and their Lord. And, uh, and you'll find lots of instances of doom and gloom in the scriptures or, or the wrath to come as he speaks of in the, uh, to the, his letter to the Thessalonians. But what he means by all what I'm saying about all this is this, is that, is that a person that is a Christian doesn't live there. They don't stay there. If you've got your Bibles in Philippians 4, it won't take you long to turn to Philippians 3. In verse number 8, notice what he says here. He tells us that in verse number 8 it says this, Yea, doubtless I count all things but loss for the excellency of the knowledge of Christ Jesus my Lord, for whom I have suffered, I have suffered 
the loss of all things. But then listen to it. I do count them but dung that I may win Christ and be found in him, not having my own righteousness, which is of the law, but that which is through the faith of Christ, the righteousness which is of God by faith, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection. And I might even know the fellowship of his sufferings being made conformable even unto his death. If by any means I might attain unto the resurrection of the dead, not as though I had already attained, either were already perfect, but I follow after. If I may apprehend that for which also I am apprehended of Christ, brethren, I count not myself to apprehended. But this one thing I do, and here it is, listen to it, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forth on those things which are before, I press towards the mark of the highest prize of the cry calling of God in Christ Jesus. You see, Paul says, I've had some rough times. I've had some difficult times. I, I, I had some great accolades at one time. I mean, everybody in the Jewish community knew who I was, but uh, I have put those things down, and I've set those to the side, and I have lost everything that you could lose. But you know what? All that was in the past, I forget about that. I'm not living in that state anymore. I'm living for the cause of Christ. I'm living for glory. I'm in victory is where I'm moving forward to. Um, it's not that you'll never have a gloomy day. That's not what it means to think on things that are good report. It doesn't mean that you'll never uh, have a bad day. Uh, it doesn't mean that. It doesn't mean that we're, not, that we're supposed to pretend that bad events will not transpire, and if they do, that we're not supposed to ever consider them or think about them. But we don't live there. I, I keep saying that because that's really been on my mind. Turn over to 1 John chapter 3 and verse number 6. That's exactly what 1 John is saying. 1 John chapter 3 and verse number 6. I sometimes I used to when I first was a newborn Christian kind of got a little frantic about these verses. I didn't know how to really take them. Because John is so straightforward in his uh, speaking. He says, Whosoever abideth in him, Christ, sinneth not. Whosoever sinneth hath not seen him, neither known him. Little children, let no man deceive you. He that doeth righteousness is righteous, even as he is righteous. He that committeth sin is of the devil. For the devil sinneth from the beginning. For this purpose the Son of God was manifested, that he might destroy the works of the devil. Whosoever is born of God doth not commit sin. Any of y'all ever read that and thought, man, I must not be born of God. <laughs> For his seed remaineth in him, and he cannot sin, because he is born of God. In this the children of God are manifest, and the children of, de of the devil. Whosoever doeth not righteousness is not of God, neither he that loveth not his brother. What's John saying there? Well, the short of it is this, is that he's saying that the Christian doesn't live in sin. That's not his habitation. That's not where he stays at. That's not where he lives at. That's not where he abides at. Verse number 6 is the clue for us. Whoso abideth in him sinneth not. That's where you live at. You live in Christ. And it doesn't mean that you don't ever sin. That's why John gave us 1 John 1.9. In, verse, in chapter 2 and verse number 1, we have an advocate uh, with Jesus Christ, the righteous. Uh, but also, the point being is this, is that John and also Paul is trying to tell us here, I believe, is this, is that it's not that we ever never get into a state where we start thinking ill or start thinking unfavorably, but the fact of the matter is this, is that we don't 
live there. It's not where we need to live at. I have been, when preaching through this series on, uh, and it, and really this Philippians series has stopped really in Philippians 4, 8, and this has become its own little mini-series. But other than the the series that I preached on the Sermon on the Mount years ago, I I feel like for me this has been some of the most transformational preaching that I've preached. I don't know about for you, I hope it has been, but for me personally this has been transformational. It's been helpful because biblical thinking is correct thinking. And if you're not thinking biblically about an issue, then you're not thinking correctly about an issue. And if you're not thinking correctly about an issue, you're going to have bad thinking. And bad thinking leads to illogical conclusions and ungodly conclusions. It all starts in the mind. From the, from the remember we have said, the, from the head to the heart to the what? To the hands. And sometimes it's in a minute second. From, it goes from head to heart to hands, doesn't it? It can be very quick. That's why it's important that we get good thinking, that we get the renewing of the mind, right? That's what he says. The word renewing there is, the, is literally the remodeling of the mind, we're, we're, that God is remodeling. He is reframing our mindset. And because our mindset is a sinful mindset, it's a sinful nature, and we need that thing retooled, if you will. Uh, we need it reconfigured to God's standards and God's conclusions and God's thinking. We need God's thinking. We need God's mind on things. Let this mind be in you, which was also in what? Christ Jesus. We need Christ's mind. I love what David says in my daily reading. I read Psalm 45. He says, my heart is indicting a good matter. I speak of things which I have made touching the king, and my tongue is a pen of a ready writer. Hey, we need to be indicting some good things. Amen? Our heart needs to be thinking on some good matters. Not just the gloom and doom, but on the good reports. How do you do that? Well, first of all, I would say this. I would tell you this. Don't live in the state of doom and gloom. Don't live in the state of doom and gloom. That doesn't mean that you don't visit it every once in a while. Because you might. A lot of good people in the word of God went to the state of doom and gloom. Moses, Elijah, Abraham. They all went there. Jacob, they all went there. But they're all also in the hall of faith too. Okay? In Hebrews 11. What is the difference? They didn't live there. It seems to me, it does seem to me that we do have too many unhappy Christians. We have too many unhappy believers. And I'm not for sure that if I'm the authority to tell you why this phenomenon exists. But I do believe I found some biblical reasons to why it does happen. To state the obvious, I would say this, is that if we are living in a state of gloom, is that we're obviously not thinking correctly. Because the scriptures tell us here that we ought to be thinking on things that are of a good report. If we had more of a conscious thought life about 
where we're going one day, then we might have a better thoughts on maybe our current status in life. If we just simply maybe thought more about the fact that we've been saved by the blood of Jesus, that we really meant the song, Whiter Than Snow, Whiter Than Snow. This world is not my home, I'm just a passing through. Maybe if we're more considerate of the fact that we're, we're nothing but sinful, ungodly, dirty, unclean vessels, but yet God in His grace and mercy has washed us and cleansed us and made us whole. That God loved me enough to send His Son, Jesus, to die on the cross for me. That would get me out of a state of melancholy. It helped me. That helps me to try to realize when I'm in a state of gloom, when I just kind of think about where I'm going and what God's done for me. Too many Christians are dull. They're boring. Are you a boring Christian? You shouldn't be boring. You've been, you've been, you know what's not boring? I'll tell you what's not boring. Everything that's new. couple of us in this church have got a new puppy. Your life is suddenly not boring anymore. It's not boring. I mean, it's fun. It's tiring. It's whatever. But I'll tell you this. It's not boring. All right. It's not boring. A new baby is coming. You know what? The baby is born. Guess what? You're tired. There's a lot of things. There's a lot of feelings. But you know what? You ain't bored. Amen. There's a new parking lot being built. You know what? A lot of things, but you're not bored. I can tell you that much. We are new creatures in Christ Jesus, all right? That's what we are. We've been given new minds, new lives. We have been given, the the Bible says this, is that we ought to be, he hath put a new song in my mouth, even praise unto our God. Many shall see it and fear and shall trust in the Lord. Listen, whenever God is doing something in our life, when God gives us a new word, when God gives us a new meditation, guess what? Our lives aren't boring. There's too many boring Christians. When we need to get in the word. We need God to freshen up our hearts and show us something new from the word of God. You say, when was the last time God showed you something new from his word? Something you've never seen before. You say it's been a while, then you're dull. You're dull. I mean, that's the truth. I'm not trying to be mean or critical or anything like that. I'm just saying that that's what's happening. Your heart is becoming dull. It's becoming, it's becoming gloom. It's becoming doom. It's becoming melancholy. Why? Because there's nothing new there. God did not just save us to sit. God saved us to praise Him and lift Him up. But I have noticed that there are several things in the Word of God that do bring about a state of doom and gloom. Now, obviously, the first one is this, is sin, right? I mean, the Bible even says it plainly. Nay, my sons, in 1 Samuel 2.24, when Eli is talking to his two sons, he doesn't rebuke them very well, but at least he says this to them. He says, Nay, my sons, for it is no good report that I hear that you make the Lord's people to transgress. He says, that's not a good report. 
When you're living off in sin and doing what's ungodly, that's quite obvious. Nothing deters us from thinking on things that are commendable and laudable and reputable more than sin does. Sin will drag us to the state of doom and gloom faster than anything else. That's what will get us there. Saul could only, if Saul could have focused on David's courageous and brave acts of war, he would have been a lot better person. But he couldn't do it. Why? Because he was living in sin. Why couldn't he be rejoicing over David's victories over the Philistines? It's because he was living in sin. He was living in the sin of disobedience and defiance and a lack of submission to God. Saul would have been a much happier man even after his disobedience if he would have just submitted to the will of God and said, David's going to be king. I'm going to live out the rest of my days. I'm going to remain king because that's what God made for me. God never took Saul off the throne. He just said that, Saul, once you're dead, your seed is not going to be on the throne. He would have had a much happier life and contented life having David fight all his battles for him. And he could have sat back and relaxed and been okay. But no, his sin and his jealousy and his anger and his bitterness and all of it, he couldn't even have a good attitude. He had to have David come in and play the harp before him. Remember that? Even that, in the end, didn't even help. Why? Sin. Nothing will make you doom and gloom more than sin. Sin. Rebellion. Disobedience. Defiance. Secondly, unrighteous judgment. Another thing that puts a Christian into the state of doom and gloom is unrighteous judgment. Look at Elijah. Here he has this mountaintop experience, right? And then right after the mountaintop experience, who comes along but that little harlot, Jezebel. And here she comes, prancing her little way around, and then she says, I'm going to kill you. And he's more scared of a, of, a, of a woman than he is 850 prophets. And he runs off. And he begs God to kill him, right? What happened? Unrighteous judgment. Unrighteous judgment. That will take your mind off of thinking on things of good report. What should he have done? Well, he should have thought on the brave and courageous acts that God had allowed him to do, to walk right into Ahab and tell him it's not going to rain for three and a half years. To think about how he called down fire from heaven there on that uh, altar of God. Or maybe how he had killed those 850 prophets. But no, we are all sinful and we're all just like Elijah. We always forget the 101 things that God has done for us that are good and we always think about the one thing that is bad. There's 100,000 things that could happen to us. Somebody could give you $100,000 and yet one bad thing could happen to you. You could stub your toe. And get into a state of doom and gloom. Why? You just, because our, that's our mindset. And we've got to be fighting that all the time. Don't you love living in a sinful body? <laughs> no! How many of you are thankful that one day you'll be out of this sinful body? And won't we, you want to have some uh, North Carolina preacher up here telling you to stop living in a state of doom and gloom? You'll, just be, you'll always be in a state of bliss. 
and happiness. But that ain't the case right now. And we need help. We need to think correctly. We need our minds set in a good way. Trials. Our trials will set us off in a doom and gloom real fast. I mean, it will. You don't have to look any further than the man Job. I mean, he lost everything of every material possession and property and thing and person that could possibly be in his life. The only thing he was left with was a bitter old woman, you know, called his wife. <laughs> yeah, that's who he was left with. Curse God. Go ahead and cuss God, you know, put it in our language, right? Curse God and die. That's what he was left with. But even in this man that was in such a low state, we find, very, we, find a, we find sparks of right thinking in the midst of it all. Even at the very beginning, what did he say? He said, naked came I out of my mother's womb, and naked shall I return thither. The Lord gave, and the Lord taketh away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. What is he doing? Praising God. Right thinking. Good report. That's what he's doing. For I know that my Redeemer liveth, and that he shall stand in the latter day of the earth. And though my skin worms, and though after my skin worms destroy this body, yet in my flesh shall I see God, whom I shall see for myself, and mine eyes shall behold, and not another, though my reins be consumed within me. You see, right thinking. I'm going to die. I mean, this body's going to rot. But you know what? I'm going to see God. I'm going to see God. And at the end of it all, he repents in dust and ashes and says, Who is he that hideth counsel without knowledge? Therefore I have uttered that I understood things that I understood not, things too wonderful for me, which I knew not. Here I beseech thee, and I will speak. I will demand of thee and declare unto me. I have heard of thee by the hearing of the ear, but now mine eye seeth thee. Wherefore I abhor myself and repent in dust and ashes. Repentance. Right thinking. There's a myriad of other things to consider. We could consider uh, bad reports. Hezekiah and Nehemiah both received bad reports. Were placed into an immediate state of doom and gloom because of the bad reports that they received. Running from the will of God, that always gets you. Jonah, right? That'll get you down. Not able to have children. Hannah, state of doom and gloom. But what did she do? She went to God and cried out to God. Unbelief. There is no sadder group of people in all the Bible than the 11 disciples in the upper room. That is the saddest bunch of, I don't know what, I don't know what I'm even trying to say, but you know what I'm saying. That's the saddest group you ever see in the whole scriptures. Why? I mean, they're, they're God, amen, was dead and not coming back. Their hero, their, their savior, their messiah, their ruler, their king, their, their everything was gone. But what killed it? Unbelief. What did Jesus do the very first thing that he did? Did he give them all hugs and kisses whenever he walked back in? No. He derided them for their, upbraided them, that's the word, upbraided them for their unbelief and dullness of heart. I think of an elderly couple that I know. 
Sometimes when I'm visiting with them, the husband will want to bring up something that is maybe of an ill report or maybe an unfavorable report of the things that are happening in the world that we live in. And as he's talking, the wife will not allow him to stay there very long, though. She will always uh, counteract him and bring up something of a good report. His demeanor will change and his mind will change and he will begin to think on things and speak on things more of, that are more favorable and more reputable. And the opposite is true too. Sometimes she will begin to speak on things that are not very commendable and then he will change the subject and turn the tide and speak on things that are. I truly have seen no better illustration than this when concerning thinking on things that are of a good report. We're constantly fighting this. Even in our old age, we'll be fighting it. Praise God for healthy and godly spouses that steer us back into the right direction. Things are oftentimes slamming us from the side, most literally, and we are prone to get into a gloomy state. We must find ourselves there, and when we do, we must find ourselves out of there. Don't live in a state of doom and gloom. Secondly, I would say this, and I'll be quick with this point, but move out of the state of gossip. You know, the world that we live in of social media and news networks and the, even the local news, even in the friends that maybe you hang around sometimes, it seems like all you hear is bad reports, bad language. We need to learn to stay away from that. Don't live there. Maybe you need to listen to the news. Maybe, you, uh, maybe there's something that you need to hear about what's happening in life, but don't live in that state. Don't, don't live there, okay? I know people, and you do too, that you know they keep CNN and Fox News and the rest of that nonsense on 24-7, you know? They, they just keep it on all the time. They have always got to see what's happening. Don't live there. That's not healthy to live there. Okay? That's just not healthy. And while we're here, let's just say this too, is that we don't need to be giving evil reports or listening to evil reports about others that we may know or others that are in the church. Or disrespectful or unknown things that are happening. If you don't know for sure all the facts, then don't say anything at all. Some of us have mouths that are quick to make evil reports. And some of us are more likely to have ears that are quick to hear evil reports. We're either we're on one side or the other. All right? That's 50-50. Half of us probably are quicker to say something wrong. Half of us are probably more likely to listen to something wrong. Both of them are wrong. Stay out of the gossip state. The Bible says in Proverbs 6, in verse number 6, it says this, These six things that the Lord hate, yea, seven of them are an abomination unto them, a proud look, a lying tongue, a hands that said, sweat, that are said innocent blood, and heart that deviseth wicked imaginations, feet that be swift to run into mischief, a false witness that speaketh lies, and here's the last one, and he that soweth discord among the brethren. Be careful what you say to others. 
Be careful what you say in the church. It could be a very small little thing. But would you say that if the person you're talking about was there? Would you mention that if they were there? Move out of that state. Don't live in the state of doom and gloom. Move out of the state of gossip. And then finally I would say this, move into a good state, Texas. Amen? And uh, move into a good state. Move out of the state of doom and gloom and move into the state of good. Move into the state of well-favored thinking. Well-favored and godly and good thinking and good reported thinking is godly and it's biblical. Do you want to do what's godly? Do you want to do what's biblical? Then think on things that are of a good report, of a good report. When we think well on somebody, we are thinking biblically. When we think, when we think biblically, we're thinking correctly. And as I said, biblical thinking promotes healthy, a healthy mind. The Holy Ghost promises this. For God hath not given us the spirit of fear, but of what? Power and of love and what's the last one? Sound mind. The Spirit of God promises to believers a sound mind. That is a promise to us. God has not given to us a spirit of fear. That might be another place. I didn't, that wasn't one that I included on that. That would be a, that'd be a great one to put into there. Uh, of What is the, one of the things that puts you into a state of doom and gloom? Fear does. I mean, fear drives people to doom and gloom all the time. Oh, it's just going to, I mean, it's going to happen. You know, I can't believe this. Have you seen the news lately? Well, maybe they're sick or maybe I'm sick. Or There's all these fears that live inside of us. God is not, that's not of God, my friend. It's not of the Lord. God has given to us a spirit of power and of love and of a sound mind. As I mentioned earlier, think, on th think about being a servant of God. I tell you, one of the things that gets me going sometimes is this, and, and you've heard it preached before, and you've heard it talked about, and you've read it before, but how many of you would like for you whenever you hit the pearly gates one day, and I don't know if this is exactly how it's all going to work out, but whenever God meets you and he says, would you like for God to say, well done, thou good and faithful servant, enter thou into the joy of the Lord? How many of you would like to hear that, would you? All right. I, I would like to hear that. That's good to think about. Thinking about that will, will inspire you to do what is good, what is right. Why? Because you want to meet God, your creator, one day, and he be pleased with you. I want God to be pleased with me. I want God to, I, I, I desire for, his, for, for that. Do you realize this also, that obeying your parents is a good report? Is a good report. Ephesians chapter number 6, in verse number, in verse, Ephesians chapter 6, in verse number 1, the Bible, or verse number 3, the Bible says this, speaking to children, he says, he says, honor thy father and thy mother, which is the first commandment with promise, that it may be well with thee, and thou mayest live long in the worth. You know what the word well is? Good. It's good to, to obey and to honor your parents. That's good, re, that's good report. That's good thinking. To honor mom and dad, that's, that's, a, that's a good thought. You never have to wonder, you know, when Mother's Day is coming up, and I'll just go ahead and put a plug in for moms. You know, if you want to do something healthy and good for mom, guess what you're doing? You're thinking correctly. 
Alright? Amen? Okay? If you're married to a mom, she bore your children. I know one, I've heard people say, well, she's not my mother. Well, you know what? She's taking care of all your kids. So you better, you better do her some good too. And not just one day out of the year. Be good to her. That's a good thinking. You know, I realize that in Mark 14 and verse number 7 it says, For you have the poor with you always, and whenever you will, you may do them good. You may do them good. It's good thinking to want to help the poor. That, that's good thinking. That's honorable thinking. Amen? That's honorable. That's, that's reputable. That's healthy. That's commendable. All right? Sometimes you walk by somebody, or maybe, maybe it's just the Salvation Army, or maybe it's somebody, uh, H-E-B, and, and you know, would you like to round up, you know, 50 cents to, uh, you know, help out the, uh, uh, the, the food bank here in Austin and everything like that. You know, I'm not saying those folks are Christian, okay? But what I am saying is this, is that if you want to help poor and needy folks, that's commendable, all right? That's, that's good, Okay? Sometimes I, I, I maybe I want to be balanced with this. Sometimes I talk about, well, you know, we need to, we, you know, don't just need to feed the poor. You need to tell them the gospel. And, I, and I've said that before. But understand what I'm saying with that. I'm not saying you don't ever help the poor. That, that's good. That's commendable. That's healthy. That's good. That's what we should do. You ought to think about that. Being generous is good. Amen? Being generous is good. Being generous with your finances. Being generous with your time. That's, that's good. That's a good report. That's good thinking. People that are miserly are not thinking with a good report. People that hold it all to themselves and never give anything, that's not thinking with a good report. You, can't, you cannot convince me that you've got, that you've got, if you don't have anybody else on your mind or trying to help anybody, that you've got, that you're thinking rightly. You're not. You're not. It's impossible. And then we should also associate with people of a good report. And the scriptures in the New Testament, uh, I'll just give you a quick run, rundown. Paul, Cornelius, Ananias, that's the man that, uh, that healed Paul's uh, blindness. All the people of the Hall of Faith in Hebrews 11, Demetrius and pastors are all said to have a good report. Hebrews 11.2 says, For by it the elders obtained a good report. And all these, and these all having obtained a good report through faith, receive not the promise. The point being is this, is that the Bible lets us know that there are people in the word of God that they are of a good report. They, we should be associating with people that are of a good report. You know how to have a, a mind that is ominous? You know, have a, you know a really good, easy way, I can tell you real quickly, on how to have a, have a mind that's full of gloom and doom. Hang around people that are gloom and doom. That's, that's a good way. Do you realize that one of the things, a mystery, they found out, they, 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 they just can't figure out, that, that's, and it's really sad, 
It really is sad. But that psychologists and psychiatrists commit suicide? Why? Because all day long, what are they hearing? Doom and gloom. Doom and gloom. And if you're and if that's your occupation, and if that's something that you've got to do or whatever, our counseling ministry or whatever, you know what? You've got to you've got to figure out how to how to pipe in some praise. You got to figure out some way to pipe in something worthy and something good thinking. You, you, you can't just be letting all the negativity flow in all the time without expecting it to affect you. It's going to affect you. All right? Associate with people. Yeah, you might have to be around somebody that's doom and gloom. You might have to hang around with somebody like that. You might have to have to, have to help somebody like that. That's good. All right? That's good thinking. But make sure you back that up by being around some folks that aren't doom and gloom. Amen? And I'm not saying either, all right, I'm not thinking anybody here is perfect. Maybe that means I shouldn't come to church if I'm doom and gloom. No, that means you should probably come to church. Because that probably is the message or the person or the song or the testimony or, or the encouragement that somebody's going to give to you because this is the meeting house of God. That God chooses and God has chosen to meet with his people in a corporate way in order that he might encourage them, convict them, and help them. Be around godly people, people that are of a good rapport. Think about glory. Think about Jesus. Think about Christ coming again one day. Think about this, that you're going to have the victory. Move out of the state of doom and gloom and gossip and move into the state of victory. Listen, you Christian, you are on the winning side. Amen? Amen. I am on the winning side. I am on the winning side. I don't know about you, but I've read the back of the book. I've read the last three chapters of Revelation. If you haven't lately, maybe you need to pick it up and read it again. Because I'll tell you this, it's victory. Victory is what it is. 1 Corinthians chapter number 15 and verse number 50. Turn there real quickly. I want us all to turn there. I believe this will help you. That's what they'd say in North Carolina, back in the hills. They'd help you. There's no L there. Verse number 50. Now this I say, brethren... That flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God, neither doth corruption inherit incorruption. Verse number 51 of 1 Corinthians 15. Behold, I show you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we shall all, but we shall all be changed. Amen. Praise God. In a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trump, for the trumpet shall sound, and the dead shall be raised incorruptible, and we shall be changed. For this corruptible must put on incorruption, and this mortal must put on immortality. So when this corruptible shall put on incorruption, and this mortal shall put on immortality, then shall be brought to pass the saying that is written, Death is swallowed up in what? Victory. Say it louder. Victory. 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 O death, where is thy sting? O grave, where is thy what? Victory. Where is your victory, death? But thanks be to God, which giveth us the what? Victory. Say it again. Victory through Jesus Christ, or for, through our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, my beloved brethren, 
Be steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord. For as much as you know that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. Think on things that are of a good report, my friend. You've got too much good to think about to live in the state of doom and gloom. Sin will get us there. Trials will get us there. Other hardships will get us there. I'm not saying that we don't ever move into the state every once in a while. I had to live in Tennessee for a little while. All right? We all got to live somewhere a little while. But you know what? You don't got to live there forever. You ain't got to live there forever. You ain't got to stay there. That's the beautiful thing about being a Christian. Amen? That's what's beautiful about it. Is that you don't got to live there. The sinner has to live there. The sinner has nowhere else to go. The sinner has got to live wherever the devil takes him. But you know what? The Christian's got victory. Victory through Jesus Christ, my Lord. Think on things that are very good report. Father, we're thankful.